Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts. And um, there's a, an encounter here in the book of Acts that I think is something that graduates of any kind, whether you're graduating in a couple days from high school or, or graduating from college or if you've graduated from anything, graduates of any kind, I think this, this story is important for us to consider. It's important for the Christian as they continue to serve God in their life. And if you wonder, what can I do that will matter most? Then I think this story has something to say. Because around this time, it was when people are really thinking, what can I do that's going to matter? If I go to school and get a degree, what can I get that will matter? If I start my career, what kind of a career can I start that will matter? If I stay close to home and I, and I find my next steps there, what can I do that will matter? It's around this time when people are really thinking about what can I do with my life that will matter? I don't think uh, it's wrong to think that all of us want to do something that is going to have some sort of an impact on this world for good. And if you're a Christian, have some sort of an impact on this world for the kingdom of God. And in Acts chapter 3 and a little bit into chapter 4, we're going to see a, an encounter with Peter and John and a man who can't walk. And we're going to see an encounter that starts to ignite an impactful cultural change in the world around them. And all they're doing is just going to church. That's all they're doing. They're going to church. But the way in which God uses Peter and John in this moment is so massively important that at that time, the very young baby church that's brand new grows exponentially. And it's amazing and astounding. So earlier I talked about how, graduates, we want you to live God-centered lives. And under that category of a God-centered life is that we want to challenge you to live a gospel-centered life. Your relationship with the gospel, what you understand about it and how you relate to it, is going to have so much impact on whatever you choose to do with your life. Whatever school you go to, whatever job you go to, whatever you decide to do, how you think about the gospel and how you live out the meaning of the gospel is what is most important to God and what will be most impactful for his kingdom. So I don't know if you, I don't know what great accomplishments you will do in your life, but I do know the greatest thing you can do is to live a gospel-centered life for the Lord. And Peter and John are doing that on their way to church in Acts chapter 3. It says this in verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So three times a day, back in this time, the Jewish people would go to the temple to pray in the morning, and then the ninth hour, which is about three, and then later in the evening. So Peter and John are just going to the temple to pray. Now, this is after Jesus has gone back to heaven. Uh, he, he had been on earth. He had ministered for three years. He had um, greatly changed the way many Jews thought about God. 
and he'd been horribly, horribly murdered by the Romans and the Jewish religious leaders. And he had risen again, and he had proven to guys like Peter and John that he was the Messiah that the Jewish people had been waiting for, that God had sent to take care of mankind's biggest problem, the problem of sin and separation from our relationship with God. And so you have to think that Peter and John were now going to the temple with a completely different mindset than when they had gone before they met Jesus. And I think that's really interesting to think about, that this story, this encounter that Luke uh, records for us in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4 is a story about how the power of the gospel in actually just a really regular, everyday act changes people's lives miraculously. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray in the afternoon. And in verse 2, it says, A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, and he asked for alms. So you have Peter and John, these men who have been changed by Jesus, who are going to church with a brand new mindset, who understand things much differently now when they go to pray. You have those two guys, and then you have this third guy who's at the gate of the temple. He's not in the temple because he can't get in there to pray, and he can't go in to worship the Lord. He has to stay outside because he can't walk, and he needs help. And um, it was considered a good deed, um, like we consider today, that if you were a Jew on your way to pray that day and you saw somebody who needed help like that, if you gave them some money, that was a good deed and God would be pleased with you. That, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> That's doing something good. So he was hoping that all these Jews who were coming to church would take pity on him and do their good deed for the day and give him money, give him what he thought he needed. And so he calls out to Peter and John as they're going by. Peter and John who have been changed fundamentally in their life by the gospel of Jesus Christ, who are going to pray. And he calls out to them. And in verse four, it says this. It gets really pointed right here. And fixing, this is Peter, and fixing his eyes on the lame man with John, Peter said, look at us. So you can imagine this guy is calling out to anybody who's passing by, and there's gonna be a lot of Jews going in so um, you're just calling out, you know, alms, alms, please, can you give me some money? And so he calls out to Peter and John. They're just two guys going by, no big deal. And Peter and John stop. Jesus did things like this. Peter and John stopped, and they looked at this guy. I imagine there were plenty of people who'd gone into that temple every day, three times a day, whenever this guy was there, and just passed him and never noticed him. But Peter and John changed by the gospel of Christ, stop. And they don't just give him money, right? They don't just throw him something and then they walk on. They stop and they lock eyes with him. And Peter says this to the guy. He says, look at us. Let's have this personal connection, something that most Jews just walked by and didn't give him a second thought. Maybe they threw money, maybe they didn't. And Peter stops and he says, look at us. So the lame man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something 
from them. So this is good news for this guy. Oh, somebody's really taking an interest in me. This is going to be good. And then Peter says in verse 6, silver and gold I don't have. I can't give you any money. I can't give you what you think you need. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter and John didn't give the man money. They didn't have any money to give him. But there's a little bit of a bigger picture and lesson here is that the man who thought he needed gold and silver needed something so much more. He needed the healing power of Jesus. And so Peter and John speak Jesus' name in power as Jesus taught them to do when he was with them on earth. They speak his name and they tell the man to get up and to walk. And Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So the man who had come at 3 p.m. to beg for money locked eyes with Peter and John who had come at 3 p.m. to pray, men who had been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of who Jesus was. They locked eyes. They had this little conversation. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter and John were able to give this man the healing power of Christ. And it did a miracle that profoundly changed this man's world. Look at what it says in verse 8. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Remember where he was when he got there that day? He was at the gate. He wasn't in the temple. The temple was church. The temple was where you went to get close to God. And it was vitally important that, pe- that Jews who took their religion seriously were able to go to the temple and were able to get as close as they could to God. This man couldn't go until the power of Jesus Christ gave him the ability to get into the presence of God. And he didn't just walk in. He ran in. He was jumping. He was dancing. You can just hear and feel the joy dripping from the page here. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. There's three things that I want you to take away from Acts 3 and part of Acts 4. And the first of the three is that you must be prepared to give the gospel to people who are in need. It is our job. It is your calling. I don't know what your calling is or what you think your calling is or what you're expecting to do with your life. I know what some of you are going to do. I know what some of your plans are. But I don't know what you expect that you're going to be doing with your life. But I want to tell you right now that God is telling you that whatever you do with your life, you must be prepared to give the gospel to people who are in need. And there are a lot of people in need. And it's not like it has to be this, you go out onto a corner and you just 
get up on a box and you start talking about Jesus and everything he did and who he was and you take your Bible out and you have to set up a Bible study time with people. That's not what happened here. Peter and John were just going to pray. They were just going to church. And on the way there, they noticed someone who was in need of Jesus. And there, I'm sure there was plenty of other people who were there who were in need of Jesus. But you see, Peter and John were so in tune with their gospel living. They were so in tune with where the Spirit was leading that they went to the guy who needed them that day. And they didn't hold back. And they understood what his real need was, that it wasn't that he needed more money, but his real need was he needed Jesus' healing power. And a miracle came from their sharing of the gospel of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that if you share the gospel with somebody, you can heal people who can't walk. I'm not saying you can't, because God can do anything. But what I am saying is that no matter how you give the gospel, and no matter when you give the gospel, and no matter who to whom you give the gospel, there is always a potential for a miracle to happen. Because they might need to hear from you the word from the Lord, and they might be ready to be changed by Christ. And that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Because the power of the gospel is the same today as it was back then on that one day when Peter and John were just going to church. So the first thing you need to do is be ready to give the gospel to anyone in need. The second thing is this. For, for gospel-centered living, for doing anything with your life that's going to matter in the end, the second thing you need to do is you need to follow the opportunities of the Spirit. So obviously, they already followed that, right? They were just walking by, and this guy who's always there, they stop, and they go up, and they talk to him. And obviously, the Holy Spirit was leading them to do that. But it didn't stop there. This one interaction they had with this man where they shared the gospel ballooned into something much more massive. Look at verse 11 of chapter 3. So, so they healed the man. He got up and he was walking and he went into the temple, something he hadn't been able to do before. His life was completely altered and changed and it started to draw a crowd and people noticed because they knew who he was because they'd seen him every day. And now he was different. And in verse 11, it says, now as the lame man who was healed held on, he wasn't letting go to Peter and John, why would you? All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, and they were greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. He said this, he's following the opportunity that the Spirit has given him, that the Holy Spirit has brought to him. He says, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? And then he starts to preach a sermon. Then he starts to share who Jesus is with more than just that one man who'd been healed but with this huge crowd of people who had seen the, gospel, the, the power of the gospel and wanted to know, why was this guy different now? And we're not going to read the whole sermon, but he goes in and he tells them exactly who Jesus is. And he says, we didn't do this. This isn't us. I'm not some miracle worker. I don't have any power in myself. Peter said, it was Jesus who did this. Remember Jesus who... A couple of weeks ago, everybody was yelling to kill him. Remember Jesus, who a couple of years ago came onto the scene and started really changing things and started 
getting on the nerves of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Remember that guy? Remember who was walking around with crowds and, and, and tons of people? Remember that guy who raised a dead man from the grave? That's the one who healed this man. And that's the one, and Peter says it in there. You can read it and you'll see it. And that's the one, he says to everybody at the temple, at church that day, he says, that's the person you must put your faith and trust in. You're coming to the temple today to get as close to God as you can. And if you know about the temple, you know, you can go into the courtyard and then it starts to get a little more, um, and, and a lot of people can go in there, right? And then you have the Holy of Holies and only one person can go in there and you have these levels of how close you can get to God. And Peter is in the temple and he says, all you need to get to God to get right up next to him is Jesus Christ. If we didn't believe that, we wouldn't be here this morning, right? Because right now, you and I, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, are in the presence of God right now. We don't have to have a priest go. We don't have to have anybody but Jesus stand with us to usher us into the throne room of the Lord. And this was revolutionary for this time because where Peter and John were was a place where people thought, this is as close as I can get, and I can't get a couple more levels in. And hopefully God hears me from way out here. And Peter and John share the gospel, the opportunity that the Spirit brought with an amazing amount, an amazing amount of people. And so that's the second thing we need to be willing and ready to do, is to follow where the Spirit leads. You sharing the gospel with someone, however that might happen, through your words or through your actions, are you ready to follow that through? When Jesus comes to work, are you ready to continue following where the Spirit will lead? Maybe when you're trying to figure out what to do with your life or what decision to make next, maybe you listen to where the Spirit is leading you because he's active and he's alive and he doesn't just wait for you to make a choice and say, okay, well, I hope, you know, that's a good enough choice or that's about what I wanted you to do. This, the Spirit of God is also here with us guiding us. And if you want to know what God wants you to do, then you need to know his word. But we also need to listen to what he says and follow what he says. So that's the second thing that Peter and John did. And that's the second thing I think we need to do as well. So imagine this amazing scene of the gospel. This is when the church was, again, a baby church, very small, very young, just starting out. And Peter and John share the gospel of Christ in the temple, and people are saved. One man was healed, and he could walk again, and people are saved. But, just like in our day, when you start sharing Jesus, there are going to be people who don't like what you have to say. There are going to be enemies to the word of God. So if you go down to, if you go to chapter 4, and look at verse 1. It says this, Now as they spoke to the people, that's Peter and John, the priests, so those who know God the best, those who are supposed to usher people into the presence of God, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached. What did they preach? Jesus the resurrection from the dead. 
they were preaching that if you want to live forever, you have to believe in Christ. And this disturbed the religious leaders. And so in verse 3, they laid hands on them and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So the gospel, or sorry, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat what could happen when you are bold enough to share the gospel and follow the opportunities of the Spirit. And what oftentimes happens is you will run into people, a person, a group of people who will try to shut you up, who will try to silence you for whatever reason. The Sadducees were like they were a sect of religious um, Jews like the Pharisees. Their problem was they didn't believe in a bodily resurrection. And so when they hear Peter and John talking about that, that got them upset. They weren't excited that this man who had been lame and been out begging day after day after day in front of where they always went to church, they weren't excited that this man got up and walked and was able to go worship God. They weren't excited that people were running in and and hearing about the true Messiah that God had sent. They were upset that Peter and John would dare to preach a gospel that wasn't their gospel. And no matter what era you live in, no matter what culture you live in, no matter what day you live in, that's always going to be the same. If you live for Christ, if you live for the gospel, if you live out the truth of God's word, there are always going to be people who can't stand to hear it and want to shut you up. So the third thing is this. After you give the gospel, however it might be, through what you say, through what you do, after you follow the opportunities of the Spirit, and when opposition comes towards you, never forget to trust God to handle the situation. If you read through the book of Acts, you will read over and over and over and over again of how the disciples, who are now the apostles, and how the other followers of Christ, in whatever situation they find themselves in, are giving the gospel to people, they face opposition, And what do they do? They just trust God to handle it. And you will see that over and over and over again, he handles it in the most miraculous way possible. But what's interesting if you think about that, because you could naturally think, well, okay, if I just trust God when things get tough, then he's going to just get me out of this. But that's not what I'm saying. You have to think about what they were thinking Look at what they do. They, the, the Sadducees and the, and the priests, they come and they take John and they take Peter and they throw him in jail overnight and then the next day they come back to them and they want to talk to them about what's going on and they want to figure out how to stop what's going on. And so they can't find any laws that they've broken, so for once they're actually being fair. Uh, they can't find any laws that have been broken and then they, they don't know how to handle this, so they take Peter and John and they say to them in verse 18 of verse 4, Uh, Chapter four, sorry. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. So they say, just shut up. Just stop. Don't bring that here. Don't bring that here. And so Peter and John, who had just been part of a miracle by the power of Jesus, this is what they say. They answered and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you 
Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. They say, who should we follow? Should we follow God or should we follow you? For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. These guys said we can't stop talking about what Jesus did for us. It's impossible for us to. That's how powerful the gospel has been in our lives, and that's how powerful we, powerful we know it will be in other people's lives. They're standing before this court, this court who was part of those who had sentenced their leader, Jesus, to death. They're standing there, and their only choice is they'll speak the truth and trust God to handle it in the end. And they're allowed to go here, and in other places, Peter's in jail, and an angel comes, and he gets him out of jail. And, and there's all these miraculous situations that they have that happen, but they're not banking on the fact that God's going to just get us out of here, and it's going to be easy. What they understand in their life is that they have to speak the truth, they have to live the gospel, and they're going to let God handle the rest of the situation. And so that's what we need to do as well. So the three things I think that we find in Acts 3 and Acts 4 that Peter and John exemplify for us, and what I would challenge you to do as you go on now with the rest of your life, with whatever career, whatever path you choose to go down, be prepared to share the gospel with others. Whether or not you need to speak it to them or whether or not you need to live it out for them, be prepared to share the gospel. Now, a big implication of that is that you will have, need to have a relationship with the gospel. And so I pray that you experience the gospel power in your own life. I pray that you would let it come and transform your life fundamentally like Peter and John were changed fundamentally, like the man who couldn't walk was changed fundamentally. And once you've experienced that power, you'll understand why it's so great to give. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is follow the opportunities that the Spirit presents to you. And another implication of that is that you need to be listening for where the Spirit is directing you. There's so many things in this world trying to get our attention. And it, it doesn't, it's, it's not going away. It's just, there's just more stuff being added all the time. And it keeps coming and it keeps coming and it keeps coming. So you're gonna have to practice listening to the Spirit's voice. Sometimes he yells really loudly and sometimes he whispers really quietly. And it's our job to know what he sounds like and be ready to follow because amazing things can happen. And it's not amazing things for us that can happen. It's amazing things for others who need the healing power of Jesus in their life. Peter and John recognized a need, and they knew the only way for that need to be fulfilled was for fit to be filled was Jesus. So they didn't do it for them. They did it for that guy who couldn't walk and couldn't get into the temple. And they did it for all those people who thought that they had to be separated from God and didn't realize that Jesus had come to bring them close. And the third thing is you will face opposition. It might be really strong. It 
might not be so strong, but you will face opposition in your life when you are sharing the gospel in many different forms. So please, don't forget that God is in control. He's in complete control of all things. And he's given you this job to preach his gospel, and he'll make sure that that job can get done. So trust that God will handle the situation you find yourself in. And don't forget all that to say as well. Don't forget to be grounded and rooted in his word. If you want to know what he says, if you want to know how he handles situations, if you want to know what he wants you to do, don't forget to know his word. He wrote it down so that we couldn't sit there and say, well, I wasn't there back then, so I didn't get to hear it. Well, we get to know it. So don't forget to be in the word. Give people the gospel. Follow the opportunities of the spirit and trust God to handle the situation and the opposition that might come your way. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gospel. Lord, I thank you that you're in control of all things and that you are concerned with the redemption and the salvation and the healing and the restoration of sinners. So Father, I pray that as we go out from here, as we continue on on the paths that we're on, as we choose what we wanna do with our life, Father, that we would be about sharing your gospel, that we would be about living your gospel, and that we would be about trusting you and following where you lead in whatever you want us to do. Thank you that we can know what to do, Father. We don't have to um, be paralyzed by uncertainty or fear. We can turn to your word for knowledge and for support and for safety and comfort. So, Father, I pray that we would do that, that we would operate from your word, sharing the gospel with anyone we come in contact with, Lord, so that your kingdom is grown and you are honored and our lives are worth something in the end. In your name. Amen.